Stephen King once said that horror is the chewy center of our intellectual chocolate. Well, I've got a podcast recommendation that delivers that in spades. Introducing the Slasher Sanitarium, a podcast that takes you on a thrilling journey through the world of horror movies, TV, and media. As the host, Caretaker Troy, guides you through the darkest corners of the genre, get ready to have your brain tingled and your imagination ignited. At the Slasher Sanitarium, you'll find in-depth discussions on iconic horror films and captivating TV shows. From the blood-soaked scenes that made up Interview with the Vampire to Yellow Jackets, no stone is left unturned. So whether you're a die-hard horror fan or just dipping your toes into its chilling waters, the Slasher Sanitarium is your go-to podcast. Get ready for insightful analysis and engaging scene breakdowns of your favorite scary shows. You can catch the Slasher Sanitarium on Apple Podcasts, and for your convenience, a link will be provided in this episode's description. Just search for the Slasher Sanitarium and hit that subscribe button to ensure you never miss an episode. With Caretaker Troy as your guide, you'll embark on a journey into the heart of horror from a much more unique angle. So, join the countless listeners who have embraced the Slasher Sanitarium and left raving reviews. Thanks, Slasher Sanitarium, for supporting Asylum 817 Productions. I am smashing that follow button, and I know all of you out there will too. See you there. Friends, your host Billy Dean Shoemate the Third here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Spotify and DistroKid. So, Whitehaven. This is the episode I've been wanting to do for quite a while, but not in the way that you think. It was one of my New Year's resolutions that I wanted to do an episode, or at least partially an episode of Strange Places, the investigative part, under the roof of the place that we're investigating or at the place that we're investigating. I think it just, I don't know, adds something different, something deeper to it. I don't want to do it all the time because I like my studio. (laughs) I think uh, podcasts that are produced correctly and produced well, uh, they're kind of hard to find. And maybe it's just an you know, I'm, I'm an audio engineer and I think a different way, but I just, I have a certain standard of quality and I really don't have the scratch to throw down on a good mobile setup. So I would, you know, have to gorilla the thing, do most of it on a phone. That's the first reason. Second reason is, you know, I just, uh, I'm a studio guy. That's where I belong. And I, like you've heard on, you've heard on this podcast so many times, I really don't screw with places like that. You know what I mean? I tend to stay away from places like that. But it was my New Year's resolution to do one. Excuse me. And Whitehaven wasn't even on my radar. And I'll tell you why. Ever since I moved here to Paducah, Kentucky in April of 2006, I'd heard that Whitehaven was haunted. This little rest stop off the interstate. Beautiful place. Looked like an old plantation. I didn't know anything about it. I am in the South, after all. Looked like one. People kept saying it was haunted. The farthest I got was the front gate that leads to the parking parking area. They were doing some pretty heavy construction back then. Couldn't really see it all too well. 
And, you know, some people would say it was haunted. Some people would say it was BS. I couldn't find much of it, you know, anything about it online. It interested me, yeah, but it didn't have the clout as other places in Paducah, like C.C. Cohen, a couple of the cemeteries. It just didn't have that that same, what am, I, what am I trying to say? That same notoriety, you know what I mean? I mean, Ghost Hunters has been out to C.C. Cohen, and I live just, what, a couple miles away from it? And I've eaten in that place a time or two. It's, it's, I've never seen anything, but apparently that place is very on it. So Whitehaven kind of dropped off my radar. I start doing the show, and I start to think, okay, well, it's already June, you know. And if I'm going to do this New Year's resolution thing of mine, and I think it's funny that people say, oh, don't make New Year's resolutions. Don't make them. Don't make them. Why? Since when does having personal goals, since when is having personal goals a bad thing? I just never understood that. Don't make New Year's resolutions. Why? Don't have a personal goal for yourself? It's ridiculous. I am where I am because of personal goals. So I've always done it. And I'm thinking, okay, it's June. I better jump on this. If I'm going to do it, I better do it. And I started thinking about Whitehaven again. It's not far from where I live. It's a rest stop. Lobby's open 24 hours a day. So I thought, okay, this is the place to do it. You'll hear some recordings. I'm going to kind of split them up through this podcast and kind of stages, you know, of us, me and my buddy Donald Haynes. He's the host of Off Topic. He's also the host of a Pokemon podcast here on Spotify. You'll get to meet him here in a second. He used to be the co-host of No Disclosure, my sister podcast. And he's a heck of a guy. <laughs> One hell of a host. I, thought, I always thought he had a great radio voice. And um, he's just a, he's, he's a cool guy. And I called him up. I needed an emotional support human, you know. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you'll get to hear quite a bit of our investigation under the roof of the place that we're actually investigating. So this is kind of a, a special episode for me. What is Whitehaven, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Whitehaven. It's a majestic landmark that's cherished by the citizens of Paducah and the surrounding areas. This beautiful, gorgeous mansion was once destined to be destroyed, but was saved by the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet, of all people. Whitehaven possesses great architectural and historical significance. The main portion of the house has a two-brick story. It was a two-brick story structure built in the 1860s by Edward L. Anderson, tobacco farmer and dealer. The residence remained in the Anderson's family until 1903. It was sold to Ed L. Atkins, who was a cashier for the American German Bank in downtown Paducah. According to the McCracken County deed records, the property was conveyed to Mr. Atkins by Norton B. Anderson on April 7th, 1903 for $4,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> that just, uh, oh, four grand? Wow. I know, I know, inflation's, but times change. It just, uh, considering how much houses are now, makes my skin crawl. Mr. A.L. Latticer. Architect and good friend to Mr. Atkins was commissioned to do a complete renovation. He designed the Carnegie Library, the Senate Hotel, Fisher Mansion. At the time, classical revival was popular, and the plans for the home included the Corinthian columned front porch, ornate plasterwork for the ceiling, stained glass windows, the classically designed front entryway. Once the work was completed, though, Mr. Atkins named his new home Whitehaven. 
a title appropriate, you know, title very appropriate for the beauty and grandness of this architectural change. In the music room, above the mantel, he had Whitehaven hand-carved into the wood. In addition to the stained glass above the landing on the staircase, 1903 was displayed dating the renovation. This was the first major one. In 1908, the house was purchased by James P. Smith, who was then mayor of Paducah, Kentucky. He was a prosperous merchant in a wholesale grocery business. The deed books reveal that the house and 57 acres were purchased on May 21, 1908 from Grace and Ed L. Atkins of Enid, Oklahoma, for $7,000 cash in hand. The house was described as being three miles away from the city on Paducah and Lovelessville Gravel Road. Now, <laughs> this is interesting. Under the ownership of the Smiths, a lot of changes were made. Marshall Fields from Chicago was hired to redesign the interior again. The new improvements to the interior included silk wallpaper, heavy gold, draperies. I mean, this is, this is an old plantation. This is a mansion, man. Along with the changes to the interior design of the house, the exterior was changed again. The additions of rooms to the rear of the structure were made to accommodate the Smith family's six children. That comes into play here, so pay attention. Six children. The attic space was renovated and became a third-story playroom. Fanciful murals of oriental scenes, massive square piano, were installed by a crane before the windows were actually put in. A carport or, you know, carriage portico, a part of the house where the horses and carriages could pull up, you know. Oh, God, think of an old-style garage, I suppose, for a horse and buggy. Was also added to the side of the home, and a room was then added over it. Mrs. Smith and her daughter, Elizabeth Smith Shelton, were enthusiastic gardeners. They designed and installed extensive formal gardens around the property. They would host the garden parties of the South. I'm not just saying Paducah, Kentucky. I'm not just saying Kentucky. The South. The elegance, the design of this garden. Everybody knew about this place. They hosted the parties, man. If you were in the South and you liked one of those big garden parties, if you liked to rub noses with the elite, Whitehaven was the place to go. Elizabeth Smith Shelton left the residence in 1968. At the time of her departure, she and her family believed that the house would be torn down during the construction of Interstate 24. Although the house was not demolished during the construction of the interstate, the then vacant residence... <laughs> Disrepair is an understatement. All of the original stained glass was stolen, broken, interior mirrors were all broken. Most of the doors and windows, water damage was huge as water poured into the house during rain, snowstorms, ceilings and floors, absolutely annihilated. In Paducah and the surrounding areas, there was great concern as to what the future would hold for the house. It appeared as though the house was destined to be destroyed until three events took place in the spring of 1981. The first event was the sale of the property and residence by the Smith family to the then Paducah Community College. While the college's main interest was acquiring the land for future expansion of their campus, it was actually pretty sympathetic to hearing proposals to save this place. It's interesting. This house has survived complete destruction numerous times. And when you go into this place... They have photos up on the walls of the state that it was in back in the 80s. I'm amazed they were even able to restore it. It just, yeah, it, it looks like any, uh, unlike any 
abandoned place I've ever seen. It was utterly destroyed. I'm amazed there was anything to even work with. Now, the second event that took place that really led to it still being here was the state of Kentucky allocating funds for building a rest area welcome center on I-24 in Paducah. That saved its butt. See, as most, most of the, what's funny is interstates are kind of known for taking places like this out, you know? Interstates are infamous for, you know, uh, destroying famous landmarks like this. But this is one of the rare cases where the internet, or the internet, <laughs> the interstate actually saved it. They needed a rest stop. Lastly, most importantly, the Secretary of the Transportation Cabinet, Frank Metz, and then Governor uh, John Y. Brown, they threw their total support and commitment to the restoration of the Smith Mansion to become the rest area welcome center instead of building a new one. At this time, the house was once again named Whitehaven because people who lived there after it was officially dubbed Whitehaven, they had their names for it, but they stuck with the classic name, Whitehaven. That just has a ring to it. As of June 23rd, 1983, the house serves a new purpose as an official welcome center for the Commonwealth of Kentucky and the South as a whole. March of 84, Whitehaven was placed on the National Register of Historic Places by the U.S. State's Department of the Interior. Now, this is interesting. By having this distinction, Whitehaven was recognized for its outstanding historical and architectural significance. The Department of the Interior placed brass plaques on this place to identify Whitehaven as one of the first National Registered Properties. Yeah. <clears throat> I know I seem to be going overboard on the history of this place and how significant it is, but it cannot be understated. It just can't. This was recognized on a national level. It was almost unsavable. In 1984, they got a hands award. Paducah Civic Beautification Board presented a hands award for the restoration work done at Whitehaven. Every foundation in America that has anything to do with restoration efforts was just amazed by this place, and deservedly so. You see it on the side of the interstate, and you're just amazed that this place was ever in the condition that it was in. You won't believe it until you, you could look at pictures online and stuff all day long. But when you're in that place, taking that tour, and you see those photos blown up on the wall, taken from the actual negatives, you're like, how the hell did they do this? So there it is. It's a Civil War era plantation house. And it's still there. It's a rest stop now. But they restored so much of the house. You can take a tour. But we want something else. We just don't want the history of this place. This is strange places, right? Why are we here? Well, like I said, Whitehaven kind of dropped off my radar for a while. Call it what you want. Maybe the other places in Paducah were more sensational. They grabbed headlines better. But when I really thought about the logistics of Whitehaven, I was like, man, it would be so much easier to do... A Strange Places episode under Whitehaven's roof because there's a part of it that's always open 24-7 and they're not going to... I mean, how often can you go to a place as historic as this and just walk around as you please? You know what I mean? A, por a portion of it anyway. You know what I mean? And I started looking more into it. 
not only is this one of the most haunted places in Paducah, this is known as one of the most haunted places in Kentucky as a whole. <laughs> what else is in Kentucky? Waverly Hills Sanatorium. That's a tall order. So, piqued my interest. Now, I had to dig to really find out about what people are saying about this place. I know it's not as sensational <laughs> as the uh, the white lady of C.C. Cohen, the, the poltergeist that throws glasses around and scares the shit out of people that are eating there. It's a restaurant. And it's not as sensational as the Waverly Hills Sanatorium death tunnel where they took tuberculosis victims and as to not cart them around and have other patients see them, made this giant tunnel where they could cart the dead bodies and, you know. One of the most active hauntings in the world is here in Kentucky. Either that, or I started, you know, I started developing a theory that the city did not want this to be known about their rest stop. They don't want everybody in the world coming up to their historical building that they probably spent. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to know how much money on to restore this place. A part of our history. A part of a history that, yeah, I'll just be honest, some people like and some don't. There were slaves here. And the less, I could see how they felt about that, if that was the case. The less publicity about the haunting, the better. Any good businessman who is into a venture like this would probably do the same thing. But what I did find <laughs> was pretty damn sensational. People were seeing full-blown apparitions here. People were hearing disembodied voices, seeing people in period clothes. It piqued my interest, man. I'm not going to lie. I was looking online, reading stories, talking to people in town. Everybody seemed to know somebody. And if they didn't know themselves, you know, they knew somebody who knew somebody or had a brother or had a friend or a sister or, you know, whatever that experienced something at Whitehaven, or at least knew something about it. I'm thinking, man, I can kind of see maybe why this didn't get as much coverage. I get it. But I got to check this place out. So, I started really diving. I wanted to go out there for myself. The farthest, like I said, the farthest I ever got was the gate to the parking lot. They were still doing some construction, so I decided, since I'm going to be spending, you know, most of the night here <laughs> recording, you know, part of this episode, I better get a lay of the land so when we get out there in the dead of night, we know what we're doing. I went out there and decided to get, you know, lay of the place. So I made a couple of recordings while I was there that first day. And uh, it's pretty interesting, not just talking about a place, you know, and investigating it like we do, but actually being under its roof and walking around. It's a, it's a much different animal. So here's the uh, day one little snippets here of my visit to Whitehaven. So, I mean, we can go into the <laughs> investigation and unsolved mysteries kind of thing of it, you know, but I think it's pretty interesting to hear it from the horse's mouth. Okay, um, I am, let's see, what's today? Today is Wednesday, June 7th at about 3.12 p.m. I am headed to Whitehaven right now. 
because when me and Donald go there, we're planning on this Sunday night or a night very close to this one, as late as we can, because, you know, it's a haunting, supposedly. So I'm headed there right now, a couple of days before, so I can get a walk of the grounds. I haven't been there in quite some time to get a walk of the grounds and find out where we can, you know, set up and not disturb anybody, where we can sit and do our thing just to, you know, be prepared. So, uh, yeah, currently headed there right now. Now, before I get there, I'll probably mention this on the show, but Whitehaven, there's kind of a joke around here in Western Kentucky, in Paducah in particular, that they call it uh, Brickhaven. It's kind of developed this uh, nickname. They call it Brickhaven now, even though it's still called Whitehaven. Because for some reason, the city, when they went to do their regular renovations, they put a bunch of brick on the outside, which even the historical photos of Whitehaven never had any brick. I mean, they did some major brickwork to this building. Yeah, a lot of people in Paducah are not happy about this because the building looks completely different. We don't know why the city decided that, hey, let's do brick when this house has been white since it's been a plantation. But rumor has it from the people who work at Whitehaven, the people who run the place, that doing so has really pissed something off and stirred up, you know, whatever's there. So, uh, yeah, just thought I'd mention that. Pretty interesting. Now, as I pulled up to Whitehaven, you'll hear a lot of my kind of initial reactions of being right up on that building. My initial musings. I know this is going to be a bit of a longer episode. I can tell already. <laughs> One that I hope very much you'll enjoy. This is going to be a much different take on one of the investigations that we're doing. I'm not going to do this all the time, but I think maybe one on-location episode a season would be pretty cool. So check out this next recording. Uh, this is the, yeah, day one. Taking the tour, walking around the grounds. Pretty interesting stuff. Check it out. Well, I'm uh, walking around the outside of the building right now. It's a lovely old place. In front of what I'm seeing, they're still doing a little bit of construction here. Uh, I do see that parts of the original building are indeed brick. So it was a painted brick. And when I mentioned brick earlier, uh, it's just, you know, the bare red brick. So I assume that they eventually are going to, you know, paint it the original color. Um, Maybe that's what got people in Paducah's feathers ruffled was that, <laughs> you know, it's the bare brick, but um, looks like they're still doing a lot of work out here. So they're more than likely going to paint it the original white. At least I hope so, because upon closer inspection, when I'm really up on it, looking at it, the original building is brick. It was just painted white. There's this little garden area, with which is interesting. There's this little fence that leads down to this... Uh, little like a uh, storm drain basement area. It does have the vague air of menace. Uh, creepy, but it's a uh, beautiful grounds. There's parts for par uh, a parking area for big trucks. And that's a, yeah, it's a beautiful building. I'm going to go in and uh, take a look around. Hey there, movie buffs. This episode was brought to you by the Extra Movie Butter Podcast 
a show that brings you all the latest film buzz and gives it that extra dollop of buttery goodness. Picture this. You're sitting in a cozy theater, popcorn in hand, eagerly awaiting the start of the newest blockbuster. That's the feeling the Extra Movie Butter podcast wants to capture and share with you every single week. They're all about taking your movie experience to a whole new level. The show dives headfirst into the hottest films and dishes out rankings with a side of savory commentary. From action-packed adventures to heartwarming tales, thrilling mysteries to hilarious comedies, they've got your movie cravings covered. They're the butter on your popcorn, adding that extra richness and flavor to your cinematic journey. But hold on, folks. This podcast isn't just about movie reviews. The Extra Movie Butter podcast is also your one-stop shop for the freshest movie news. From exciting announcements to exclusive interviews, they really have their ears to the ground. New episodes come out every single week, ensuring you never miss out on the latest flicks and all the tasty tidbits of the film industry. It's like having a movie marathon with your friends, but without the hassle of coordinating schedules and inviting that one guy who drinks the two liter from the bottle, gets floaties in it, and thinks that when all the nachos are stuck together, that's one nacho. No, it isn't, Jerry, it isn't. Every movie get together has a Jerry. That's what I like about this show, no Jerry. So, where can you check out this cinematic awesomeness? The show is available on iTunes and Spotify, I will include links in this episode's description, so show them some love. All right, at this point, after I walked around outside for a little bit, we ended up taking the tour, which, uh, much to my surprise, was free. The tour didn't cost anything, which is pretty amazing. I've taken tours of a lot of historical sites and uh, places like this, and they're an arm and a leg. So I was quite delighted to find out that uh, a tour of the inside of this place uh, was free. So here's some of my musings right after the tour, because I wasn't allowed to record at all. I asked the lady beforehand, sweetest lady on, in, in the world, this little elderly woman, the sweetest thing, and uh, she wouldn't allow me to record. But she was very gracious of my presence she was a little put off at first because i said hey i'm from i was honest you know i said i'm with a strange places podcast i'm a spotify affiliate i'm official you know i'm here uh, our show tackles the haunted places and supposedly haunted places we investigate them we're not ghost hunters we're not you know we're not invasive or anything like that we're just a podcast we just record you know audio and i heard that this place was haunted so without further ado i'd rather you hear it right after I'd taken the tour. So yeah, check this out. There's uh, there's some interesting bits here. I wish we could have recorded during the tour, but um, I gotta tell you, when I was in sixth grade, I grew up by the Whaley House, which is what we're gonna talk about on this podcast eventually. One of the most haunted places in San Diego. This place reminded me a lot of the Whaley House. <laughs> Didn't see anything paranormal, granted, in some of the rooms where they would have, uh, you know, the old dresses and the old toys and the old furniture, you get that tightness in the chest, you know, and you're kind of looking at these big mirrors, seeing if you could see anything. It's just, um, that's par for the course. You know, you're, you know that you're in a haunted building. The tour guide said that she wasn't aware that it was haunted. Remember, she said that at the beginning of the tour. I didn't know it was haunted. But when I started explaining what it is I do, and, you know, working for Spotify for X amount of years and all that stuff. She said, 
<clears throat> that the people building this place are renovating the attic. Um, a lot of them refuse to do the work. <laughs> like members of the city of Paducah, a lot of them refuse to go back up in that attic. She said at one point the lights went out and ended up spooking all of them. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's kind of odd. These guys are used to working in these old buildings and lights going out and stuff. I thought that was kind of weird. Why would it make a whole group of men run out of the attic and never coming back? But then again, I haven't been in a truly haunted place. One with this much history anyway, since I was a little kid back at the Whaley house, right? So I'm not used to this uh, <laughs> kind of cold sweat on my forehead and, you know, uh, heart beating about 100 miles an hour because I, like I said on this podcast, I don't play with that kind of stuff. I think I'm, I'm a healthy skeptic, but the, the air in places like this is, is kind of thick. It is. It's pretty thick. This is a southern plantation. And there were slaves here. What happened with the slaves was atrocious. Unfortunately, that was the time that they lived in. And it was an atrocity. There's a lot of exhibits here about Albin Barkley, former vice president under Harry S. Truman. And a lot of his artifacts and clothes and uh, stuff is here, which was pretty fascinating to look at. Albin Barkley, who's buried not two miles down from here. Uh, learned a lot about the owners of the home and stuff, but as far as paranormal goes, I thought it was interesting that the tour guide told me, oh, I'm not aware of any haunting. And then by the end of the tour, she's telling me about this young woman also from a paranormal group a few years ago during one of their anniversary celebrations they were having here. Said that she was feeling a lot of presence in the Albin Barkley room. And it's kind of funny that at the beginning of the tour, she's completely, and my son is right here, he can tell you, that she seemed completely oblivious to any kind of haunting. But by the end of the tour, she's telling me that some odd stuff was happening with this girl, that she entered a raffle and there were thousands of people there. And the tour guide, elderly lady, really sweet, she said, oh, she's going to end up winning it. And she did. And they asked her, well, man, that's pretty crazy, you know? <laughs> like, you were the only person that felt a presence here today. And she said, the house chose me. I can see, I can see how being in a place like this as a grown man, I can see how people can be predisposed to certain feelings and certain stimuli in a place like this, because I got to tell you, the air is thick here. And I don't know if it was psychosomatic and I don't know if it was whatever, just knowing that this place was haunted, what, what have you, me being keyed up and freaked out. Because if I see a ghost boy, I'm running. I'm going to do the 100-yard dash in about five seconds. I don't play with that kind of stuff. But I often wonder how much of these feelings and sightings and overwhelming sensations people have when they're in haunted places is truly caused by if this place is haunted or if it's because your body is just in a place where you've convinced yourself something ain't right here. Your body does physically react to that. And I think that's what I was feeling. I think it was totally psychosomatic. I didn't feel anything paranormal whatsoever. Just that tightness in the chest, the thickness in the air, you just, you know, you work yourself up. And I think a lot of these hauntings are caused by that. Anyway, coming back on Sunday, as late in the night as we can, and I'll do some more recording there. Very interesting place.
I probably should have told you ahead of time. I hope you don't mind the audio. Like I said, I had to gorilla this thing. I, I could tell, and there were a couple of interactions. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that, but there were a couple of interactions that when people heard I was going to Whitehaven, every ghost hunting group here in Paducah, it seemed like, wanted to come out. They were just, you know, oh my God, you actually got to go to Whitehaven. I'm like, I run a podcast. I'm not going to show up there with a 30-person camera crew because all these people were saying they wouldn't let us even go up there. They wouldn't let us bring our gear. They wouldn't let us this. They wouldn't let us that. I'm like, dude, I, I, I run a podcast. I just record audio. I, I, the phone on, you know, the audio on, my, on our phones isn't the best, but I've been a studio engineer for over 20 years. I will make it audible. I'll make it somewhat pleasant to listen to. That's all I need is a phone, boy. I don't need a lighting rig. I don't need big IMAX-looking cameras. I don't need EMF meters or any of that jazz. I'm not ghost hunting. I'm just investigating the place. And um, I had to be pretty secretive about when we were going to Whitehaven and what we were doing. And, you know, the I, I had to be very secretive about it because Whitehaven would not let these ghost hunting groups anywhere near the place with all their gear and all their, you know, whatnot. They don't want, and I could tell from the tour guide, remember what I said is just her uh, unwillingness to discuss the hunting at first. But then when she realized, oh, this guy's not going to walk back in here with an entire camera crew and a lighting rig and a catering van, you know, it's okay probably to tell him something. So, yeah, I had to be pretty, pretty cloak and dagger about this whole thing. So this next set of recordings I, uh, is from night two, actually going out to Whitehaven with Donald, and I'll give you some really cool snippets. Again, audio is not the best, but I think we had some, uh, pretty, uh, some pretty cool stuff happened while we were there. Pretty, pretty neat stuff. Just uh, our observations. Yeah, you should check it out. I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to sound like a broker and be like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. Interesting. But it is. Whitehaven is an interesting place. And being out there in the dead of night, man, that's a different experience entirely. So listen on. All right. We've arrived at Whitehaven. This is Donald Haynes. Hey, what's up, everybody? I miss you guys. This he uh, Donald Haynes is the host of I can never say the Pokemon podcast right. It's a Pokemon Master Thorns Pokemon podcast, and also the host of Op- Off Topic, which he was the co-host of our sister podcast No Disclosure for a while, and he uh, he was a peacock had to let him fly. But we're walking around Whitehaven right now. Uh, sun just set. They turned all the lights on, and uh, much to my surprise. The entire interior is lit, which I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I don't drive past this thing on a daily basis. So inside you can see everything. I mean, you can see the grand staircase. You can see the piano room. The curtains are drawn. Can't really see into the Alvin Barkley room. I wish uh, the upstairs, see the upstairs rooms are by far much more interesting because that's where the Desians of the house spent most of their time. So you see a lot of their clothes, artifacts, furniture. Downstairs is where, you know, naturally the guests would be entertained. So I think what me and Donald are going to do 
<clears throat> if it's okay with you, sir, walk the grounds a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm down. I've actually been here a little bit uh, before Billy got here, just kind of scoping the place out and getting a feel for it. There's a couple of spots around this little place that are creepy. So, uh, you know, if we have luck on our side, we might accidentally experience something. You never know. Got to tell you, it's a lot more bizarre at night. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's quieter out here. Okay, so just spoke to a groundskeeper here and um, introduced ourselves, said who we were and said, you know, with Spotify, Spotify affiliate. We run a podcast, all that stuff. I'm very transparent. And uh, I asked him if he, first of all, I asked if I could record, you know, anything. And he's like, no, no, because, you know, he's at work. I, I understand that. But so this is going to have to come from the... Uh, the other horse's mouth, but I asked him if he himself has experienced anything. He said no, but uh, he did mention, you know, this is an old Civil War era plantation. There have been deaths here, you know. Uh, he's mentioned a possible murder at one point, which considering I, I don't want to pin anything on the family or anything like that, but, you know, this is a Civil War era plantation. Things were Things were a little bit rough back then. There were servants, there were slaves, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know the specifics of it, but he looked pretty visibly, ad like, not irritated that we were talking to him, but He looked a little nervous the moment we mentioned anything about hauntings, and he said even a friend and his girlfriend said they saw a face in one of the windows. Yeah, we were literally standing under a window, and he points up and points to a window and says, one of my friends saw a face peering out of one of the windows, <clears throat> and... um yeah. He said there's been some activity upstairs. He himself hasn't seen anything, but he did mention that people hear voices. They see faces and windows. So we have one person here who, you know, has a friend who saw something. But which, again, common sense will dictate. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it could be psychosomatic. They could have just seen a shadow. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, you know, when you look into a cloud and you see a rabbit like that sort of thing. The pareidolia effect, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it could be that from the reflection. It, it could be any number of things. But it could really be a face. So we don't really have any evidence to back it up, but we don't have evidence to debunk it either. Now, if we were walking around like a McDonald's, you know, <laughs> and we asked anybody, hey, have you ever seen anything weird here? Uh, his reaction was pretty odd. It, it He looked pretty visibly agitated. I, I don't know if we were just bugging him on break or something, but like I said on this podcast, we do common sense, common sense. And that's rarely used in the field of paranormal study anymore. You got to go with your gut. And to me, it seemed like a guy who was like a mix between, oh, shit, somebody's here again, you know, talking about the haunting. No, I don't want to be recorded. I'm at work. The hills have eyes. There's cameras everywhere. A uh, couple more cameras than I would expect to see at a rest stop. But then again, this is a historical site with some priceless stuff inside. Yeah, I mean, it's registered. Matter of fact, uh, their little pamphlet talks about how they are on the United States Registry of Historical Places. That's a registered site? I didn't yes. know that. But yeah, he mentioned faces, voices. So um, I think, unless you object to it, we can hover by that window, take some photos. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, co I'm kosher with that. You can actually see on the outside of the building where they've covered up where a window used to be. I do see that, yeah. Remnants of a window that were covered up. That's oh, odd. A couple of places actually. Like over here on this other side of the building here. <clears throat> yeah. You can see where the brickwork has been overlaid to where there used to be a window there. So I'm going to cut here and we're going to kind of hover by this window and have Donald take some 
pictures because that guy specifically pointed out that area. Looking at the windows more closely, there is a pretty damn bright lamp, street lamp, or you know, property outside lamp, you know what I mean? Globe lamp that's right under these windows. And now that I'm looking up, the molding on the walls, the molding around the doors, it's casting some pretty odd looking shadows that may cause a bit of a pareidolia effect if there's because they, i mean it's casting some pretty heavy shadows into that room pretty odd shaped shadows i could see how someone could glance up there and maybe think they saw something just just a note that's a pretty bright lamp and you know there's storage in there so there's um uneven surfaces and stuff like that weird looking shadows like in this window specifically you can almost make out what would look like a face but it's just shadow yeah because so. we're actually standing here scrutinizing it there's a, see that door molding? There's a door molding right there. And then this street lamp is casting a shadow on one of the lattices on the window. So there's this rod, nothing, and then more of the door frame. I could see how someone could mistake that for a head and a neck. Exactly. So, I mean, that could be something we can debunk right there is it was just, they were out here really paying more attention to one another than the building itself. Happened to glance up and there's a shadow and they think there's a face there. Where I'm, where I'm at right here by one of these poles on this porch, you can look up and you can see a lamp hanging from the ceiling. Oh, I can see a lamp. It yeah. almost looks like a person's head. Like if you look at that, that round shape comes down. Didn't the groundskeeper say that the face was pressed against the window? Like it was against the window? Almost. And that looks really close. Yeah, it does. I can see that. I can, that can be very easily mistaken for a face. I'm not out here to debunk anything or whatever. I'm just, I'm telling it like it is. We're just using what facts we've got with the evidence we have available. So let's go sit back inside. Rest stop, like you would see anywhere else. I've been to my share of rest stops, that's for sure. Humming vending machines, tile floors, it's definitely seen their, their use. <laughs> pamphlets all about Kentucky, all the fun that you could have in this wonderful state and surrounding areas, brochures up the wazoo. You get one from here? See, this is like a, if you've ever been to a mall after hours <laughs> or before, you know, stores open, they have these metal grates, you know, that you can see through. And uh, that's what they have separating the rest area from the house. So you can, you can crane your head and see quite a bit, quite a bit. So do you see yourself as a bit of a tuning fork with this kind of stuff? Uh, I don't know that I'd say tuning fork exactly. Uh, like whether people would believe it or not, I've felt and dealt with shit like this since I was a kid. Like my family has always said that they could feel things that were not natural, I guess you would say almost. And I've just kind of seen felt things my whole life. So this place definitely feels weird. It's kind of, the air is thick here, isn't it? Uh, thick with two C's is how I'd put it. <laughs> so do you think what I was feeling was entirely psychosomatic uh, that I just psyched myself out? Or do you think? I don't think it's psychosomatic because like you, I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, like when I touch the brick, for instance, buildings have an energy to them. 
properties have an energy to them, like the lives that have touched places like this. Yeah, it's called the Paducah Power Department. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, fuck Paducah Power. Um, (laughs) We have issues. Um, Like spiritual energy is a thing. Like matter and energy cannot be created nor destroyed, simply displaced, right? So energy that you have lived in a place imprints on a place. I believe that to a certain degree. I do. That shit's heavy here. Really heavy. Okay, Donald just noticed something interesting that I think may lend some credence to these uh, shadowy figures that people are seeing. If you could explain that. So, if you're looking at Whitehaven at night, they've got these floodlights that just light up the whole front end of this place. Like bat signal bright. Yeah, like this shit looks like Batman's looking for Gotham City kind of bright. Um, And when you're walking in front of them, like I know people have said at nighttime, they would see shadows in the windows. But when you're walking past these floodlights, I mean, they're casting a massive shadow of yourself on the wall and straight into the building. So if you're looking into the window and you happen to walk by and you don't notice your shadow, that could be a little freaky because you're seeing a shadow just walk across the inside of the door frame there inside this room. And in reality, it's just your shadow being cast by these huge ass floodlights. And look right here, that kind of distortion through the windows. Yeah. These are not modern windows no no you're not going to see that distortion these are original windows so when your shadow passes these really bright floodlights yeah look at how look at how my look at that it makes some really bizarre shadows on the walls inside that's a very good observation yeah i'm glad i just kind of noticed that because in any other time if i had not been looking at the window i wouldn't have even noticed and of course something else people don't take into consideration i mean you guys could probably hear the sound in the background there's traffic going by like there's cars going by this place headlights uh vehicles with running lights uh you know police vehicles when they're when they got their lights running so at any given time there's all sorts of different ambient light hitting this building from every direction and the shadows are constantly moving in there because of it that's a that's a major thing shadows are constantly bouncing around so and how many, how many windows do we have on this side of the building over here? See, this is what's interesting, though. To keep any kind of evidence pure, if I was some kind of a ghost hunter or investigator, I would stick to this back portion of the house. It's the only one that doesn't get that much pollution. It's not getting any light pollution. It's not getting any... There's no... There's one bright floodlight out here. There's a tree they've got out in front of the building. It's one of those there's a tree, those yeah. There's a waxy-looking tree out here. One floodlight, but it's farther away. But... This is right above the room, rooms where they're renovating. There's no lights on. So this area of the house, if I was doing some kind of ghost show or whatever, I would stick around right here. Yeah, because like this tree is blocking off all the light from the interstate. And then these rooms over here, the floodlight for once is actually drowning out any of the ambient lights that would be coming from the interstate because that floodlight is so bright on this end it's got this whole side of the building lit up, so no other light's going to penetrate that. Because ironically, see, there's a fireplace right here, and we're looking right into Albin Barkley's room, which... Right. We can see one of the rocking chairs. Yeah, one of his rocking chairs is there. I kept staring at it, thinking that thing's going to fucking move. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd be walking the hell away real quick. You can see some of his paintings up there. Yeah. You can see a good amount in Albin Barkley's room. So naturally, as you can imagine... I have about three hours of stuff. (laughs) And you just listen to a very small portion of it. Just kind of uh, mostly just us sitting around, our musings about the place. Uh, These were the 
really big things that I wanted to show you. The two windows in particular, light pollution, kind of some pareidolia effect with the shadows there, which could have explained some of these things happening. But there are some people here in Paducah, Kentucky that swear by Whitehaven. There are members of the city board, the renovation committees, that will not set foot in that house anymore. There's some strangeness going on with this place. And yeah, I can't explain it. Maybe Donald says it isn't psychosomatic, but I just, there's a weird feeling in the air there. This is a place that definitely merits some further study. I can't debunk anything. I can't prove anything. But the proof is in the pudding, Whitehaven. And I'll be back. So anyway, guys, what did you think about this episode? What did you think about Whitehaven? Let me know. Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there. There's also a link to get to our Patreon account where you can get everything from bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, all kinds of stuff. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. Donald Haynes, huh? David Peterson, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you to all the listeners. Thanks for coming back every week. The sponsors this week, special thanks to Mr. Donald Haynes again for accompanying me on this. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I had quite a bit of fun. Next week, back to our normally scheduled programming, yes? So that's it. We'll catch you next week, all right? And are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day... We'll visit yours. The Strange Places Podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support strange places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.